Thank you so much for checking out the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's sermon. We invite you to stop by www.cccch.org to find out more about our church and to make plans to visit us on a Sunday morning. If you've been coming here for a while, I didn't know if you knew there was a passage of Scripture here. <laughs> it says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That would be 2 Corinthians 5.17. Not 2 2 Corinthians 5.17. Um, and our mission at the Christian Church of Clarendon Hills is that together we will help People find new life in Jesus Christ. You know, one of my uh, favorite things to do in life, why does it do that? Um, I'm becoming more cool. Have you noticed what I have? Come on. Yes, I'm cool. I'm trying to be. Um, I love, I love to hear testimonies. I love to hear stories of how Jesus Christ has touched a person's life and how different they are because of Jesus Christ. And, and we, we've started a new series in Colossians about our new life in Christ. And we started with the fact that Jesus Christ is foundational. He is God. He is worthy. And you can rely on him. You can trust him. There's no one like him. No one like him. We talked about the fact that because of our new life in Jesus Christ, we have a new identity. Then we talked about the fact that because of Jesus Christ and our new life in Jesus Christ, he is our new God. And making him, number one, can be a priority. Today, I would like to talk to you about how our new life in Jesus Christ gives us a new joy. Now, in order to get into our passage today, I, I think we have to have a little bit of a background on Paul, who used to be called Saul, and after he gave his life to Christ, he became Paul. Now, Saul, you might say, was not a very happy man. You see, he was not a fan of Jesus Christ. In fact, he hated him. He hated his movement. He hated his people. Saul went out of his way to find all those Christ followers and make their life miserable. And he wanted to shut them down. You could say that he was an angry, unhappy man. It's not unusual for unhappy people to make others miserable. And that's what he did to many Christians. But Saul had it all. Oh, I like that. Saul had it all. Okay. Little things in life make me happy. Saul was highly educated by a very well-known individual named Gamaliel. He was way ahead of his peers in climbing the corporate ladder. One of the youngest Pharisees, youngest leaders of a religious group. He had a superior pedigree of being from the tribe of Benjamin, in his mind, he had the true knowledge. So he had all these things. Why wasn't he happy? 
<laughs> you know, the first service I was reminded of a song, I think it's Cheryl Crow, that if it makes you happy, why are you so sad? There's a bad word in there, but I won't use it. If it makes you happy, why are you so sad? Well, Paul had it all, but he wasn't happy. He was miserable. He had no joy, and he had everything. But for some reason, this way, as we'll read a little more about, bugged him profusely. And you can read about some of that in Acts chapter 22 and Galatians chapter 1. And Paul recounts of his days before Christ. But then the day came when Paul encountered Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that perhaps today you might, if you've never encountered Jesus Christ, that today you might run into him. In the same way that Paul ran into Christ, I pray that today if you've never run into Christ, that that would be what happens today. Now, I want to read to you from Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 6, to see a little bit of that. Now, here at CCCH, we teach from the Bible every week because we believe that God has primarily spoken to us through his word. Not only do we believe that the Bible is God's word, we believe it is true and very applicable to our lives today. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 through 16. Listen as we read the word of God. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that he, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why? Do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And after that, Paul goes and spends some time with the people whom he hated to learn about the one whom he didn't believe in. <laughs> and he met the true Jesus, and was never, ever the same again. And he discovered that God had called him to preach to the non-Jews, the Gentiles, the good news that Jesus Christ really is God. This was not good news to him in his old state, but amazingly because of his transformed life, he accepted his call. And the Lord told Paul ahead of time that he was going to suffer for his name's sake. And we'll read a little bit about it. He did suffer. It didn't stop him from doing everything possible to get the word out about this amazing mystery called Jesus Christ. Paul certainly suffered tremendously after he surrendered to Jesus Christ. What is so crazy is that attitude that Paul had and that he displayed everywhere he went. 
I want to read to you a little bit of uh, Paul's suffering before I read to you from Colossians 1.24. Uh, listen to, to the word of 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 33. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I do not feel weak, and who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? That would tell you this guy has to be miserable. Wouldn't it? Like, oh my gracious, that's a lot of stuff. He must be miserable. But what's so amazing as we go to Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now keep all this in mind. That's quite a list of stuff that he's gone through. This guy should be miserable. And look what he says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. Now, how is it possible to choose joy when one is suffering? He wasn't joyful when life was pretty perfect for him. And now that life is pretty miserable, he says, I rejoice. I choose joy in spite of all the misery that I'm going through. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant. Now, very rarely is being a servant looked upon as something worthy of rejoicing. Most of the time, nobody wants to be a servant. They want to be served. But I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim. Now remember, he's the one that I didn't want to tell anybody about and didn't want anybody else to talk about him. That's what he was when he was Saul, but now he is Paul. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end... I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. <laughs> all the energy that he has now is being used to work with God. He used all his energy before to work against God and got nowhere. And I don't know if there's anybody here that's just like that gerbil in that wheel. You're going, you're going hard, but you ain't getting nowhere. That's what life without Christ is, folks. That gerbil in the wheel. A lot of energy exerted, but you ain't gone nowhere. 
And Paul exerted a lot of energy before he met Christ and he was going nowhere. In fact, pretty much throwing his life away. And now he can take all that energy and actually accomplish something and enjoy life. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you, for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so that they may be, have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. How did that happen? Here you have a very violent, angry man who sees what's going on in the name of Jesus Christ and he goes out of his way to try to murder all these people and he runs into Jesus Christ and has a full transformation, changes his life, and instead of being against Christ, now he is for Christ. His life is now falling apart, but he is loving it. Who loves misery here? If you do, there's something wrong with you. Nobody likes misery. But I think the Bible is very clear. It says, in this world, you might have a few problems. There's no might. In this world, you will have troubles. In this world, it's going to get complicated. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get confusing. It's not going to be easy. I, I, I got to tell you, as I look at Paul, and I know there was a time where it was easier to try to romanticize Christianity, that things got so much better if you gave your life to Christ. You get strength to continue in your life. Christ does not always take you out of your circumstances. He takes you through them. He gives you the power to handle them and you can choose joy through it. Because life is not easy. It, anybody agree with that? Life isn't easy. It's kind of hard, right? See, most of you have an easy life apparently. You're the second service. You guys should be wide awake. The first service can be dead, not you guys. <laughs> Besides, that was practice round. This is the real thing now. <laughs> Life is hard. Life is complicated. But God has something for you in your new life. And it's a joy. And that's what Paul encountered, that even though things got much, much more challenging and more difficult, he had joy now. When he had everything the world had to offer, he had misery. I want to just give you a few points. And we should be done early today. No joke. I know it's a first. There's a first time for everything. Let me give you a couple of things about happiness and joy. Now, happiness can come and go with circumstances. Now, joy in Christ is always available no matter the circumstances. You know, happiness, I won the lotto! Oh, man, I'm so happy! Two months later, I'm dead broke. You know? I got my new car! Or 
not new, but maybe used. Car, it's so great, it's only about a day that we are happy and now we're down. It's circumstantial. Happiness comes and goes up and down, not with joy, not with joy. Joy is always available in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. Are you getting the point? Should I say it again? In Jesus Christ. I have no problem saying that Jesus Christ is the only solution to my problem. None at all. Number two, happiness can come from resources here on earth. You know, you, you, you de- technically don't need God for happiness. When Jesus Christ was here, the devil offered him all the things of this world. If you want to be just happy, God doesn't have to be a part of the program. The devil can be a part of that program if it's happiness you're looking for. Because there are resources available in this world to make you happy as far as temporary is concerned. But joy can only come from Jesus Christ. Joy can only come from Jesus Christ. You know, oftentimes, number three, the world's happiness is just deceptive joy. Many times, the world's happiness is deceptive joy. Now, here, here's the interesting thing here. The worst place in life is not to be unhappy. The worst place in life is to be deceptively happy. To be fulfilled by the things of this world. I would rather have you be miserable in this world and say, God help me, I am unhappy. And God will sweep, swoop, sweep, swap, sweep you up. And hold you. But if you are deceived by some kind of resource available to you that you don't need God, to not need God is a terrible place to be. And there are sometimes resources available to us that deceive us. It's better to be a little bit miserable here on earth and eternally joyful than a little bit happy here on earth and eternally miserable. You know what I mean? And in Jesus Christ, you have the eternity, the option available if you'd like it. But you do have to choose it. You have to choose it. It has to be your choice. And I'm hoping today that there might be some here who maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and maybe today is the day of salvation for you. And maybe you've been miserable and are sick of being miserable, sick and tired of being miserable. I'm so glad you're here today. I want you miserable people because I love y'all. Because the Lord is here to give you joy. An abundance of it. So 20 years ago, I had the privilege of working with a, a dear friend in ministry. And he went through some seriously tough, and challenging times. And as I would talk to my dear friend and try to encourage him, he used to always say to me, I choose joy. 
it impressed me very much, and I still have it in my mind, and I, I appreciated the example he set because it was a pretty tough time. And I remember being with him. And so I, I, I got a hold of him, and I, and I asked him. His name is Jim. I said, Jim, I, I remember those times, and I know that it wasn't easy and it was difficult, but you always used to say, I choose joy. Could you, would you just send me a little bit of information of how you did all that? What, what made you do it? What, what, was, what was it about? And so he wrote me a, a letter via email. I'd like to read it to you. <laughs> Dear Armando Labino. <laughs> I, he was a white guy who didn't speak Spanish, and so my name was always difficult for him, and so he never got my name right. Poor fella. Bless his heart. He had to write that down. Hello, my friend. I am humbled that you would remember anything I have ever said. I am an expert at nothing. I stumble through this faith journey, oftentimes alone and afraid and, quite frankly, beaten up. But in the midst of it, I have always strived to choose joy. Just to let you know, I still make choosing joy a moment-to-moment -moment decision. When I first mentioned it to you, I was going through a fight against cancer concerning my daughter, Elizabeth. She was my little friend. I remember feeling the fear and despair of that time. I was broken. I was helpless. I had to decide how I was going to get through this. And James 1-2 says, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. As I look at that verse, James is saying to me that in all the stuff of life, the pain and the heartache, we need to focus on joy. For me, joy has never been a feeling. Feelings are misleading. Joy is a state of mind. It says that no matter what is going on externally, I trust that God is in control. Joy places my focus elsewhere. It reminds me that there is a God in heaven. He is working for my good. He loves me. He weeps with me. He is with me no matter what. Joy tells me that there is more to life than the circumstances that I am experiencing right now. It points to Jesus. It points to eternity. It points to hope. I think I first talked about choosing joy 20 years ago. It got me through Elizabeth's cancer. It saw me through her cancer coming back. It brought me through her recent stroke and blindness. It has brought me through relationship problems. He lost his wife too. Financial problems, health scares, horrible bosses, backed up traffic, impossible work deadlines. No matter the challenge, joy brings us through. Even now, as I face more turmoil in my life, I choose joy. Through the tears and heartache, I choose joy. Joy gives peace. Joy gives hope. Joyfully yours, Jim Reamer.
We hope that you've enjoyed today's sermon. Please check us out at www.ccch.org and plan a visit for next Sunday. We would love to see you.